Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. One summer, 160 years ago, Charles Darwin sat agonizing over a letter he'd gotten from Singapore. For decades, Darwin had been working on a theory, a theory that the scholar Ian McCalman has called his dangerous secret. The secret, he worried, would get him in trouble with religious figures, the public, and who knows who else. It was, of course, the theory of evolution, that living things are naturally selected for and change over time, which contradicted the idea that God created everything exactly the way he wanted it all at once. But when Darwin received that letter from Singapore 160 years ago, he hadn't published any of those groundbreaking ideas. The letter was from a man named Alfred Russell Wallace. Darwin had likely corresponded with Wallace before when he needed to know something about a very particular duck that Wallace may have seen in his travels. But now, as Darwin read the letter, he realized with horror that Wallace had stumbled on the idea of natural selection. And Wallace wanted to know, what did Darwin think? What Darwin thought was that he had been scooped. Ian McCalman writes about this agonizing time in the scientist's life and what he did with that letter. In the book, Darwin's Armada, Four Voyages and the Battle for the Theory of Evolution, he's a professor in the history department at the University of Sydney. Ian, welcome. Well, thank you very much, Claire. So take us back to that letter that Darwin got 160 years ago and talk a little bit about um, this concern when Darwin opened it and realized, oh my gosh, this theory I've been working on for decades, somebody else has come up with it. That's right. Look, it's hard to exaggerate just how shattering an experience it was. He'd been working on the theory for 20 years, and he was trying to write an absolutely exhaustive book. I mean, the book, if he'd written it as he intended, would have not come out uh, for another 20 years. In fact, it might, might have made his whole lifetime. He wanted it to Mm. be exhaustive. And then this tiny little, this letter with a, a, just a few pages from over in Asia by a man with no scientific qualifications whatsoever, Mm. produced the same theories, absolutely shattering. So who was uh, Alfred Russell Wallace? And why did he come up with basically the theory of natural selection before Darwin had a chance to publish it? Well, Alfred Wallace was a really humble man, actually completely working class in his background and experience. And he'd been working, essentially going to different countries, uh, collecting specimens for very small amounts of money and sending them back to the United Kingdom. It's how he made his living. But he was a self-taught person. He read voraciously and very clever, you know, instinctively clever. And he had, through completely different series of experiences, come up with the same idea. I mean, funnily enough, he came up with it while he had malaria. It it suddenly came to him. Mm. He wrote to him in all humility, not saying look, I've come up with something really clever, but what what do you think of this crazy idea of mine? Hmm. So uh, before we get to what Darwin actually did with this letter, why was he so slow and so hesitant to release this theory that he'd been working on for decades? I just wonder if you think that he kind of like worried about the ramifications, um, that he would upend things, and not just science, even beyond that, that he would upend uh, culture, too. Oh, yes. He, he, was a, he was really a very 
a gentle and reclusive man. Um, he hated uh, controversy and publicity. You know, he spent a reclusive life, a very strong sort of family man. He worked enormously hard, but uh, out in his house in South Down. The implications of evolution, he really did understand. Not only that it would reverberate through religion, it would reverberate through how people thought of societies, how, how they thought of human beings. He, he understood perfectly well and later wrote about the, the kind of controversy that would, you know, would arise from believing that human beings were derived from an animal strain. You know. and, and he was married... I think, to a devoutly religious woman. He was indeed, and he was conscious of of not hurting her. It was a very good and loving marriage. But nevertheless, she had given him the go-ahead, if you like, you go ahead and, and say what you believe, you know. He, she was never going to stand in his way. So really, again, I think the idea that he didn't want to publish because it would hurt Emma is in fact a, another exaggeration. They had a perfectly uh, a good understanding together mm. about this. Mm. Mm. Okay, so let's go back to 1858, 160 years ago, he gets this letter from Alfred Wallace and it basically says, I'm kind of, I figured out your theory. Of, of course, Wallace didn't know it was Darwin's theory, but Darwin starts to worry that he's been scooped. Um, he could have buried this letter. He could have burned this letter. He could have shown it to nobody. That is not what he did. What did he do? That's exactly right. He writes to his closest friends, two or three of them, and says, look what's happened. I'm, I'm finished, really, as a scientist. This is my whole life. And his friends were absolutely mortified. And most of his friends were pretty powerful scientists. What they did was um, they rallied round and they found some things that he had written, which um, they were, you know, kind of extensive letters, for example, that he'd written to a scientist in America, other kinds of things. And they, they cobbled together a version of natural selection and then they suggested that these be um, read out simultaneously in the uh, Royal Society, and and that they would then be simultaneous publications. It would be seen to be a theory that had been produced simultaneously. Right, and by by Darwin and Wallace. They just had sort of independently come up with this idea, yeah. the same idea. Meantime, just to get clear to you, Wallace yeah. had no idea any of this was happening. He's mm-hmm. way out, out in the bush where he'll be for another eight years in Asia. Wow. Okay. He has no idea that any of this is happening. And so how did Darwin... Re- I mean, his friends, in, in a very friendly way, were putting tremendous pressure on him to say, like, you know that book you're going to write someday about evolution and natural selection? You need to, like, write it now or write a paper or write something. You need to get something out the door. Um how did he respond to that kind of pressure? He responded like a maniac. <laughs> he absolutely <laughs> believed them. And so he wrote what he described as what was to be a kind of summary. Um, and that summary he wrote, as I describe it, in white heat. 
Uh, it is not his custom, um, but he sat down and wrote it just bang like that. And it's a substantial book, as you know, uh, on, on the origin of species. But that yeah. is the summary of what he was doing. His actual book would have been, you know, 10 or 20 times longer than that. I love that he's under a lot of pressure. He has to produce something and he just, you know, comes up with on the origin of species because as you do when you're when you're in a hurry. It's true. I mean, think about it. Uh, he'd been thinking about it so long. Right, and right. really he had the problem of knowing too much actually. You know, the, the problem of, of trying to be exhaustive. It's a kind of theory that you can't prove in, by experiment because it takes too long. Evolution mm -hmm. takes hundreds and hundreds of years, so you can't show evolution by experiment. So what you have to do is you have to show it kind of inductively, as they say, by the enormous number of, of incidents and events that seem to point in that direction. Right, right. So he's amassing all these examples of Absolutely. Like, this little bird. This, it yes. looks like this in this place, and this little bird looks like this on That's this right. island, and so on and so forth. Right. Hence the letter for, about the duck to Wallace. Yeah, One exactly. of thousands of letters that he sent out mm. all over the world to try and get the, all these facts. You're listening to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. I'm talking to Ian McCalman, a historian and author of Darwin's Armada, Four Voyages and the Battle for the Theory of Evolution. So Origin of Species is published um, in 1859. What was like the immediate uh, response like? Was this big news in society? Just give me a sense. Well, it, was, um, it wasn't really big news in society, but it was big news in the world of science, including Wallace But when he comes back. Wallace, by the way, you know, had he, had he been a kind of uh, egotistical man, he could easily have been very put out. I mean, they published mm -hmm. him without asking him, and they didn't publish him straight away. They delayed and got, uh, you know, put together a version for Darwin so as to make it a joint publication. So, you know, but Wallace was one of the humblest, nicest, most decent human beings you could ever come across. And he was just simply thrilled. Uh, didn't see himself in the same league as Darwin. He never, he never did till the end of his days. And uh, anyway, but he gathered these young disciples, and my book really argues that these young disciples had been blooded, if you like. They'd learnt um, about their science in also on voyages to Australia, voyages to the Southern Hemisphere, like Darwin, mm -hmm. and they were a group to get who who were ready, especially Thomas Huxley, who later became known as Darwin's bulldog. He was an aggressive, uh, articulate, he was a fighter. And Darwin needed those people because, as, a, as I was saying to you, you know, he was a recluse, a very gentle right. man. He just couldn't cope. So really what he did once the book was out was to let his disciples do the fighting. So in the 1860s and the 1870s, when the book had was was relatively new and came out in 1859, I mean, you talk about this idea of like a war and people being bulldogs. What was the what were they fighting against? And give me a sense of like what that opposition looked like. 
Well, the, the major opposition comes from within the scientific world. I mean, it's people like Richard Owen, whose own theories have been knocked aside, you know. So they mm. were furious and they, were, they wrote very nasty reviews of him. Um, there were controversies in the newspaper. I mean, particularly the idea that's implicit in the origin, although never ever mentioned in the origin, that man might be derived in some way from a line of animals that included apes. That mm. became the kind of thing that was caricatured in the newspapers, you could imagine. Right. Um, but, you know, I, I want to argue a, a sort of strange argument, really, is that by the end of, of the 70s, Dar Darwin's theory of evolution was very largely accepted in Britain, including really? in the church. So you're talking like 15, 20 years after he writes it. Yep. People believe it, and yes. including in the church. Yes, in the church. The okay. Anglican okay. church in particular, leading figures in the Anglican church had assimilated it. it didn't, they didn't deny what they simply argued was that the process, the origin of species, that process of evolution had been devised by God mm -hmm. and, okay. that just, and that the Bible was more emblematic. The funny thing is that the real hard anti-Darwinist stuff occurs first of all in America more than anywhere else and secondly it takes shape rather later. Um, evangelicals get hold of it, uh, fundamentalists get hold of it, and then it, it enters politics. People start using Darwin's theory to make political uh, mm. arguments, which he himself abhorred. Um, and so really the, the thing hardens. Uh, so, you know, by the 90s, um, you would say there was more international um, resistance to it than there had been immediately. Mm. It's kind of a paradox. Mm. Certainly in um, popular memory, it's Darwin's name that survives um, and not Alfred Russell Wallace, no. even though they really both came up with this idea, although maybe at different, you know, sort of magnitudes. Um, why do you think it is that, you know, Darwin is the name we remember and not as much Wallace? Well, there's two reasons. I mean, there's good and bad reasons, really. The good reason is that there's no question about it that Darwin had done the prodigious amount of work to make the theory stand. Uh, Wallace's little letter scribbled, just, it, it outlined it perfectly. It was like an almost perfect summary. But he didn't have 20 years of evidence um, behind him to, to make it really stand up and he hadn't written a book like The Origin of Species although he subsequently wrote lots of books in defense of Darwin but the main reason was that that he was a humble working class man and uh, Darwin was a from a very aristocratic um, and wealthy so we'd say middle class family made their money Wedgwood was one of his uncles um, yeah. And so they were a very Wedgwood wealthy. Wedgwood pottery. Is, yeah, the pottery yes. Wedgwood. And he was a, a person in high social esteem. And I think uh, Wallace was just, Wallace was not. I mean, he remained a humble man. In fact, one of the last things I write in my book was that, that Wallace was so poor that Darwin 
managed to get a pension for him and his wife and kids so that mm. he could survive. Um, and he's literally forgotten today. Uh, mm. I think it's very sad because he's actually a very significant figure for someone like me who now runs an environmental institute because he had uh, lots of other achievements, Wallace, including perhaps becoming one of the greatest founders of what we now call biogeography. But um, he's a lost figure in history. Ian McCalman is the author of Darwin's Armada, Four Voyages and the Battle for the Theory of Evolution. He's also a professor in the history department at the University of Sydney. Ian, thank you so much. It's been lovely talking to you. Thank you so much for your lovely interview. wondering, by the way, what the prevailing scientific theory on how animals and plants came to be before Darwin and Wallace published their ideas, McCalman says that many scientists believed there were multiple creations done by a divine hand. And that, yes, sometimes differences between different groups of animals would spring up, but those differences were not permanent, and that the animals would eventually revert back to their original form. We will have more about Darwin's world on our website, innovationhub.com. Dot org.